The views and opinions expressed on this show are purely the views and opinions of the person who made them and do not necessarily reflect or agree with those of the show's commercial sponsors, its radio station affiliates, or Internet broadcast platforms. As the restriction on our God-given right to free speech manifests itself throughout the world, we are inspired by Jesus Christ's immortal words, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And we reserve the rights to all our words. Thank you, and now enjoy the show. Learn who rules over you, simply find out who you are not allowed to criticize. You are listening to ACH, I'm Andy, your host, and today I'm delighted that Peter is back with us with his regular Friday slot to kick off our four days of programs, which also features, of course, Peter's work on Sunday with the traditional Christian message that Peter writes. So that being said, let's bring him up right now. Peter, are you with us? I am with you, yes. Thank you, Andrew. Well, thank you so much for all your commitment to the show and to your wonderful mission that I direct people towards. Uh, for those of you who, as you know, I don't accept donations anymore because I now have another job that I can make an income on. Uh, but for those of you who do want to donate to a worthy cause, please look at the links that we offer in our shows together. And Peter has a fantastic mission over in South Africa and it really needs people's support. So if you have the wherewithal to do so, please do so. So what Peter has for us today is a presentation entitled The Real Story of Henry Kissinger's Trail of Treachery. So where would you like to start us off with today's topic, Peter? Uh, well, just a word about my absence last week. I was in KwaZulu-Natal, up in Zululand, you know, where the Battle of Isla-Wan and Rockstruff took place. And uh, it was a wonderful German mission station, Quasabanta Mission, where there were 7,000 young people in a youth conference that I was speaking to. Absolutely phenomenal ministry opportunity. I was just reading Bibles and uh, doing literature ministry and preaching and teaching, counseling. Just one of the most amazing missions anywhere in the world. Phenomenal work being done there and such a great impact. And, you know, we saw people who were gangsters and people who had been witch doctors and things like that converted. And you just see the power of the gospel of Christ at work there. And that's absolutely outstanding. So privileged to be part of that kind of work and to see what God is doing in spite of all evil out there. And I can tell you, the young people were very resistant to when we spoke about all the threats coming from transgenderism and transhumanism and all this, they were very, very straightforward in rejecting this globalist New World Order agenda and that they are absolutely adamant they're two genders and marriage between a man and a woman and things like that, very straightforward, and no intention of giving in to the globalist new cabal uh, pushing their agenda of sterilization and mutilation and abortion and all the rest of it. So... We can be encouraged. There's a lot of good things going on, even amidst the insanity out in the world. But uh, Henry Kissinger is somebody that I have good personal reason to want to expose because he was very heavily involved in the betrayal of Rhodesia. And uh, Henry Kissinger recently celebrated 100 years birthday on the 27th of May. And there was a lot of celebrations and a lot of fanfare and media commentary and um, all kinds of uh, praise of him. He used to be a former national security advisor. He was Secretary of State. He is a real globe-trotting advisor at large to the world, and he's been really one of the most eminent influences in the globalist establishment. Now, he's both revered and reviled by people all over the political spectrum, but unlike any other elder statesman in history, he has influenced the world that we have today. So he can be to blame or to credit, depending on a person's perspective, for the world that we're facing right now more than most. Um, Kissinger's got an anti-communist uh, reputation, which he doesn't deserve, but um, there's a lot of people on the left who hate him 
for apparently overthrowing left-wing uh, governments and installing right-wing dictatorships. I and mean, that's one of the reputations he's got on the left. And therefore, there are a lot of people on the right who should know better, who support Kissinger, just because they hear that some of their traditional enemies don't like him. But on the other hand, look at the people who love Kissinger, the whole Wall Street crowd, the deep state swamp in Washington, the elite mainstream media for whom Henry Kissinger is a real darling, their presidents and prime ministers and dictators and movie stars and billionaires and Fortune 500 CEOs who bask in his supposed brilliance. There are governments and universities and prestigious organizations that shower him with accolades. And he has a lot of politicos on both the Republican and the Democrat side singing his praises. So that should alert us to the fact that there's got to be something wrong. When so many people uh, praise you, you've got to be doing something seriously wrong, especially when the globalists love you. So I think it's important to understand that for the last 50 years, Dr. Kissinger, who's been the recipient of a lot of whitewashing by the deep state's public relations machine, uh, who've been taking his criminal deeds and putting the evidence of it down the memory hole, um, those of us who are old enough to recall his trail of treachery need to alert the younger generations who've been exposed only to the globalist hagiographies of St. Henry Kissinger. And uh, he's been described by the American spectator as a conservative, as a American patriot. Um, and uh, to think that the spectator, which is meant to be a conservative publication, has praised Henry Kissinger as above all an American patriot. How can they say that? Um, I mean, this is a man who betrayed anti-communist Rhodesia into the hands of communist mass murdering thug um, Robert Mugabe, who destroyed one of the greatest countries in Africa and turned a wonderful farming economy that was exporting food into a basket case that needed millions of tons of food brought into the country to keep the people alive, even after half the population fled. And uh, the biggest inflation in history, where a hundred trillion dollar notes couldn't buy a loaf of bread. I've actually got a hundred trillion dollar note in our museum upstairs at our mission here, um, which couldn't even buy a loaf of bread. And that's after they'd knocked 16 zeros off it. So Zimbabwe uh, turned the Rhodesian dollar, which used to be stronger than the American dollar. One Rhodesian dollar could buy three American dollars in 1977. But um, he turned the Zimbabwe dollar into uh, one of the most inflated currencies on the planet by betraying Rhodesia's anti-communist government of Ian Smith into the hands of the Marxist red Chinese trained uh, Robert Mugabe, who destroyed everything and uh, invaded the farms, murdered whites, did hideous things, murdered missionaries. So Henry Kissinger's got a lot of blood in his hands. And I remember as a youngster, Henry Kissinger coming on Rhodesian television and looking us in the eye, speaking straight to the camera saying, the United States of America will guarantee the rule of law and the safety of your property in Rhodesia. You will not need to worry about your safety or rule of law. The United States government guarantees your safety if you sign this agreement of one man, one vote and uh, prepare for handover to ZANU-PF. He also said if any Rhodesian wanted to relocate anywhere in the world, uh, the American government would cover the costs and ensure that they got a comparable farm or house anywhere in the world and set them up. They didn't need to worry uh, about rule of law or safety of their property or farms in Rhodesia. But if they did want to move, um, the U.S. government would, would uh, cover the cost and ensure that they could relocate and so on. Well, in fact, we know none of this was done. And soon the farms would be invaded and the laws were being scrapped. And Mugabe was running a terror police state. And Henry Kissinger's promises turned out to be worth absolutely nothing. And he spoke as Secretary of State of the USA and his promises to Rhodesia guaranteed Rhodesia handing over to the British governor, Lord Soames, Christopher Soames, who was the son-in-law of Winston Churchill, who then betrayed the country into the hands of the Marxist mass murdering thugs. And uh, America did absolutely nothing to protect the people of Rhodesia or to help relocate those who were destitute and lost everything as a result. And how many hundreds of innocent lives were lost amongst the whites and tens of thousands of black people, especially Madabili, massacred by the North Korean trained 5th Brigade of Robert Mugabe's thugs. So Rhodesia is just one of the um, achievements of Henry Kissinger. And uh, Henry Kissinger, though, 
has people who think that he is a good man because the Students for Democratic Society radicals were chanting Ho 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 Chi Minh, uh, the Viet Cong are going to win, and uh, you know that's the thing. Hell no, we won't go. And uh, and the ranting, seething, screeching Marxist mobs uh, made it look like Kissinger uh, was um, a real anti-communist and so on, just because they were against him. But that's a bit of eyewash. What we've got now is a gaping memory hole in the public record because Henry Kissinger uh, has basically had so many of his crimes just disappear down the memory hole and uh, to protect the guilty and to obliterate the memory of his trail of treachery in the public mind. So his abysmal deeds need to be known. And what he did to Rhodesia was bad, but what he did to China was worse. So the British historian, Nail Ferguson, was chosen by Kissinger to write his official biography. And Neil Ferguson writes in the official biography of Henry Kissinger uh, that um, I'm constantly reminded of how many crucial decisions were taken in this period when Kissinger was in office. But nowhere has his role been more profound in its consequences than in China. And that's true. Now, Neil Ferguson, as the official biographer of Kissinger, had access to troves of undisclosed files and documents and massive amounts of official records, which no one else has had access to. And Ferguson notes that Kissinger was the only one individual who was involved at every juncture of US-China relations from the very beginning right down to the present day. From the very beginning right down to the present day. If you're looking for the architect most responsible for the past half century of American policies that transformed communist China from a hopelessly backward, mass-murdering, totalitarian third world regime into a modern, nuclear-armed, technologically advanced, mass-murdering, totalitarian, first world economic and military power, look no further than Henry Kissinger. Because thanks to Dr. Kissinger, operating through both Republican and Democratic administrations, as well as through banking and business circles, through his Kissinger and Associates, Communist China is now America's and the world's number one existential threat. He helped the Chinese Communist Party, the CCP, to wage economic, political, social, and biological asymmetrical warfare against us for decades. And these are just a few examples. Starting in 1971, Henry Kissinger and his assistant, Winston Lord, later to be president of the Council of Foreign Relations and ambassador to China and assistant secretary of state under President Bill Clinton. So Kissinger and his assistant, Winston Lord, made the infamous secret trip to the People's Republic of China and secretly met with communist leaders Mao Zedong and Zhao Enlai to open away for American aid and trade. Now, at the time of the secret trip, China was in the midst of Mao Zedong's murderous cultural revolution, which killed over 68 million people. Mao Zedong is in the Guinness Book of Records for the greatest mass murder in all of history, even beating uh, Joseph Stalin, which is an amazing accomplishment. That Stalin only killed about 60 million, but uh, Mao Zedong killed 68 million. So Mao Zedong is the world's um, greatest mass murderer in history. And to aid Mao Zedong's uh, murderous regime, Henry Kissinger in 1971 traveled through to begin a campaign to reintegrate Red China into world economic and political uh, mainstream. And this was at the very time that uh, communist China was arming and aiding the communist Ho Chi Minh revolution forces, uh, the Viet Cong in Vietnam, who were killing American soldiers. Uh, so that's pretty amazing. And, and of course, China is also the mainstay support of communist Kim Il-sung's North Koreans, who had killed 37,000 American soldiers in the Korean War. So this sounds like aid and comfort to the enemy, which is the very definition of tre treachery and treason. But Kissinger and President Nixon in 1971 had an earth-shaking seismic event of uh, recognizing Mao Zedong's China and signaling to the pro-communist United Nations that it was time to kick the anti-communist Republic of China uh, on Taiwan, who had been America's staunch ally in the Second World War and throughout the Cold War, to kick the Republic of China from its permanent seat in the UN Security Council to be replaced by communist China. And that was the price of um, opening up aid and trade to China uh, was to stab in the back Taiwan or the Republic of China, free China. 
Ma Chi-Ting's successor, Deng Xiaoping, was then sold to the world by Kissinger as the man who would reform China and begin the process of the massive transfer of America's manufacturing and technological base to China. The fact that so many of America's military um, medical needs are manufactured in China, the fact that so much of America's products are made in China, not just the toys of Disney World and the um, toys of McDonald's but um, and American flags, but a lot of strategically important things for America's military are made in China. And a lot of America's technology has been moved offshore to China, giving jobs to China, or should we say to um, China's slaves, because um, much of the manufacturing being done in China is actually being done in slave labor camps with people who are not paid. But when Deng Xiaoping showed his Maoist hands with murdering thousands of students during the June 1989 Tiananmen Square massacre, Henry Kissinger still supported Deng. Um, when ABC's Peter Jennings asked Kissinger if the United States should impose sanctions and cut off military aid to China, Kissinger response, responded, I wouldn't do any sanctions against China. And he insisted on maintaining the same US-China relationship. So, you know, killing a few thousand students during a protest in Tiananmen Square in June 1989 wasn't worth uh, breaking up this relationship that had been built up now with China. Now, the following month, Kissinger penned a column for the Los Angeles Times praising Deng and defending his murderous actions. Some are finding a justification for the crackdown on the student protest for freedom in Tiananmen Square. September the 15th, 1989, a Wall Street Journal article pointed out there's a clear conflict of interest in Kissinger's defense of Deng, noting, Mr. Kissinger has unique business ties to the Deng regime. Connections that have him on the verge of earning hundreds of thousands of dollars from a partnership set up to engage in joint business dealings with a ministry of the Chinese government. So Kissinger made many millions of dollars since that time in his dealings with the Communist Party of China regime. August 8th, 2004, the China, Chinese Communist Party's Xinhao News Agency ran a glowing tribute to their dictator Deng, titled Deng Xiaoping, one of the greatest men of the 20th century, colon Kissinger. And it brimmed with quotes from Henry Kissinger praising Deng. When a propaganda agency finds Kissinger the best person to quote to enforce their propaganda narrative, it makes you wonder what kind of person is Henry Kissinger. Well, Kissinger continued his promotion of the Chinese Communist Party and uh, Xi Jinping, the present dictator, and he continued the transfers of technology and capital from America to China through his prominent roles in the National Committee of U.S.-China Relations, NCUSCR, and the World Economic Forum, WEF, and the Council on Foreign Relations, which uh, Kissinger, of course, the major player in all of those institutions. As far as Vietnam goes, um, Kissinger was well known as Nixon's main negotiator on Vietnam, and Kissinger actually even received a Nobel Peace Prize for betraying South Vietnam and uh, handing over to North Vietnam, America's ally in the South on a platter. So Kissinger had already been involved as an advisor to the Democratic presidents John F. Kennedy and Lyndon Johnson before he became a Republican President Nixon's advisor and uh, National Security Advisor and Secretary of State. So in, in 1965, Kissinger was invited by his old friend, Henry Cabot Lodge, who is a major leader in the Council on Foreign Relations, and Henry Cabot Lodge had served as Johnson's ambassador to South Vietnam, and he invited Kissinger to tour Vietnam. Along with most of his globalist Democratic colleagues, Kissinger concluded the war was unwinnable, even though he would go on to prolong that war and implement military rules of engagement that would guarantee that the war would be lost by America and would be won by the communists. The rules of engagement basically handcuffed a lot of the American forces to not be able to effectively propagate the war in accordance with normal, healthy military doctrine. And so uh, it was one of these great unwinnable wars, which Kissinger was an architect of it. Later, Kissinger had the slogan of peace with honor, which was just that, a campaign slogan, no substance. There was no honor in it. There wasn't any real peace either. So when Kissinger signed the Paris Accord in January 1973, he assured South Vietnam he would still support them militarily, knowing full well that he was planning to turn him over to the communists. And declassified documents later revealed a year later 
that while meeting Mao Zedong and Zhao in February 1972, Kissinger had informed them that if the United States was able to live with a great communist country like China, it would also live with a small communist country like Vietnam. Kissinger asked the North Vietnamese communists, please hold off taking over South Vietnam until a decent interval had given him respectable cover. So you can see um, where he was. Well, Kissinger then stage managed the 1973 homecoming operation, entitled Operation Homecoming, which nearly 600 American prisoners of war were returned from Vietnam, like from the Hanoi Hilton uh, hellhole, where so many had been tortured. While more than 2,400, perhaps as many as 5,000 American prisoners of war remained unaccountable, there's a lot of good evidence that many of them were still alive in captivity at the time, but Henry Kissinger insisted on closing the books on them and basically writing them off as dead. Kissinger promised in the Paris Peace Accord a multi-billion dollar reparations program for communist Vietnam in exchange for releasing the prisoners of war, knowing full well that American Congress would not and could not approve that funding, that they would see this as extortion and as an unacceptable admission of war guilt, um, especially after returning prisoners of war revealed the horrendous tortures they'd suffered at the hands of the Viet Cong. So Kissinger's betrayal and treachery in betraying thousands of prisoners of war is recounted in many sources like an enormous crime, the definitive account of American POWs abandoned in Southeast Asia, written in 2007 by former Congressman Bill Hendon and attorney Elizabeth Stewart, whose father is missing in action in North Vietnam. Another book published in 1993 by Mark Sauter and James Saunders uh, entitled The Men We Left Behind, Henry Kissinger, The Politics of Deceit and the Tragic Fate of Prisoners of War After the Vietnam War. An Examination of U.S. Policy Towards POWs and MIAs. And then there was also the U.S. Senate Committee on Foreign Relations Republican staff who put together documentation of Kissinger's duplicitous role. Well, Kissinger's peace turned Vietnam politically and ideologically red and physically blood red. Over 100,000 more South Vietnamese were executed by the new communist masters. Up to a million more were sent to brutal re-education camps where many more died. Another 200,000 to, to a quarter of a million Vietnamese died at sea as boat people desperately trying to escape the totalitarian regime of the communists in Vietnam. And the neighboring Cambodia... The communist Khmer Rouge, backed by Red China and the Soviet Union, killed between one and a half to three million victims, about 40% of the population of Cambodia, butchered following Kissinger's peace agreement. So uh, he's got a lot of blood in his hands. Now, in his books, Kissinger postulates as a Nixon loyalist, but he was a Nixon backstabber. Kissinger was always a better fit for the Democrats and the the Rockefeller Republican internationalists or globalists. Kissinger detested the genuine anti-communists within the Republican Party. In August 1968, he wrote to Avril Harriman, who was leading American delegation at the Paris Peace Talks, my dear Avril, I'm through with the Republican politics. This party is hopeless and unfit to govern. And when President Nixon offered him the plum prize of national security advisor, Kissinger refused. But Henry Kissinger, his old boss and mentor, insisted that he take it, which he did. Nelson Rick Rockefeller had been unsuccessful in repeated attempts to win the Republican nomination for president in 1960, 64, and 68. But Rockefeller saw Kissinger as key to his eventually winning a position in the White House, which he almost achieved through an elaborate political chess game in which Kissinger was his inside man. So the Rockefeller cabal orchestrated a scandal involving alleged corruption by Nixon's Vice President Spiro Agnew and Kissinger and his torpedo Alexander Haig pressured Agnew to resign. And with Agnew out, Nixon appointed Rockefeller ally Representative Gerald Ford to fill the Vice President slot. And according to multiple insiders, including Nixon's White House counsel John Dean, it was Kissinger and Rockefeller who schemed to set up the so-called plumbers the group responsible for the Watergate burglary, which was intentionally botched with the help of the CIA, then controlled by Kissinger and his pal Richard Helms, which guaranteed the ouster of President Nixon. Kissinger put Rockefeller agent David Young in charge of the plumbers, 
uh, that was the, the eavesdropping group that went in and, and broke into uh, Watergate in order to bug <clears throat> economic, electronically eavesdrop on the democratic uh, opposition. And they produced the Watergate tapes, which would then um, uh, later on, David Young would move on to become head of private security for the Rockefeller family. Well, after President Nixon resigned, Henry Ford became uh, the president, uh, Gerald Ford, I should say. Gerald Ford became president and nominated Rockefeller to be his vice president. So nobody had elected Ford, nobody had elected Rockefeller, but because they'd gotten rid of the president, vice president, now Ford could become president and Rockefeller could become vice president without having to go through an election. His confirmation hearings revealed he had given large financial rewards to Kissinger, also that he had never paid taxes so far in his life. Nevertheless, Rockefeller was confirmed by both houses of Congress, and for three years he was within a heartbeat of the Oval Office, which he had coveted throughout his adult life by being vice president. Um, Kissinger was the architect of President Nixon's 1971 reorganization of the intelligence community, which resulted in Kissinger being placed in supreme command of U.S. intelligence as head of National Security Council, NSC, and chairman of virtually every committee on the council. The director of the CIA, the Secretary of Defense, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff all reported directly to Henry Kissinger. When he was named Secretary of State, he continued also as head of the National Security Council, first person to ever hold both those top offices at the same time. All intelligence information that went to the President of the United States had to be funneled through Kissinger. He appointed and elevated a large number of security risks and Council on Foreign Relations globalist top positions which foreshadowed much of the crisis of the deep swamp, deep state that's now controlling American intelligence from FBI and CIA, include the likes of John Brennan, James Clapper, James Comey, Peter Strozik, and others uh, who were all uh, Council of Foreign Relations globalists that Kissinger pushed in. So Kissinger's engineering of the palace coup against President Nixon and Vice President Agnew, who were Rockefeller internationalists, but nevertheless were standing in the way of the globalist ambitions. It just provided a foretaste of the shadow government coup efforts later uh, used against President Donald Trump. And you can see that this deep state that was set up in the CIA under Kissinger is still in charge today. And uh, basically, um, Kissinger's um, having Rockefeller appointed by President Ford to investigate the CIA which was known as the Rockefeller Commission, was sort of like having Dracula in charge of the blood bank. Rockefeller allowed Kissinger to edit the commission's report, which, surprise, surprise, was a whitewash. And among the important information expunged was information on Soviet espionage in the United States and how it had penetrated the American government. That was whitewashed out of the report. Now, Kissinger had an anti-communist image, which was actually false, but he not only assisted China in unparalleled fashion, but he also aided the Soviet Union's push for strategic military advantage and global conquest. And Kirchner did this by pushing his concept of detente, which is a lessening of tension, with the communist leaders, um, and Kissinger boosted the Soviets' nuclear advantage and dramatically lessened America's advantage with a strategic arms limitation talk, SALT, and the anti-ballistic missiles, or ABM treaty. The Helsinki Final Act known as the Helsinki Accords, was co-authored by Kissinger and his Soviet comrades, signed in 1975 by President Ford, and the Helsinki Accords was a complete betrayal of the Soviet-occupied Eastern and Central Europe and of the Baltic states of Latvia, Lithuania and Estonia, of Poland, Czechoslovakia, Romania, and so on. When Alexander Solzhenitsyn, the survivor of the slave labor camps in the Gulags, the author of the Gulag Archipelago, when Solzhenitsyn came to the United States, Kissinger persuaded President Ford not to meet with him because it might offend Leonid Brezhnev and the Soviet Politburo. Imagine rejecting such a great mind, maybe the greatest Russian author of the 20th century, Solzhenitsyn, whose books are now required reading in schools in Russia, uh, but um, an American president was afraid to meet such a monumentally important person as Alexander Solzhenitsyn, probably the greatest Russian of the 20th century, just for fear of offending Leonid Brezhnev, the dictator of the Soviet Union, and his Politburo, and it was Kissinger who advised this. Well, Henry Kissinger has been 
deeply tied to the Rockefeller dynasty and worked with them very tightly, especially David and Nelson Rockefeller since the 1950s. Kissinger is a long-time director of the Council on Foreign Relations, of which David Rockefeller was chairman and chairman emeritus, and a lifetime trustee of the Trilateral Commission founded by David Rockefeller. He's a steering committee member of the Bilderbergers and the leading light of the World Economic Forum, whose founder, Klaus Schwab, extols Kissinger as his inspiration. So these and related groups are openly promoting a new world order and a great reset that would bring about world governments in union with communist regimes under the United Nations. Kissinger has been and he remains the most famous advocate of the new world order. Question, was Henry Kissinger a Soviet agent? Well, in the early 1960s, even before Kissinger had risen to any prominence, one of the most important Soviet agents ever to defect, General Mikhail Golin, Golini Whiskey, um, Mikhail Golenin Whiskey, named Kissinger as a Soviet agent who'd been recruited to the KGB while stationed in Germany as a U.S. Army sergeant during the Second World War. Golinisky provided thousands of pages of top-secret Soviet documents, hundreds of pages of Soviet intelligence reports, and he unmasked some of the most important Soviet spies and double agents in the West, including George Blake and uh, Ernst Bosenhard and Colin Melody, uh, Stig Wenenstron. And so Golinsky has a proven track record of success and accuracy. And additionally, the believability of Golinsky's allegations against Kissinger is reinforced by Kissinger's own political record in the betrayal of nationalist China and of South Vietnam and of Rhodesia, uh, but also by his associations. The people he appointed and elevated included KGB agents and so-called journalists, Victor Lewis, who is a KGB agent and so-called journalist, agent of influence, uh, William Burchett, who has proven to be a KGB agent, and uh, the ambassador Antony uh, Dobrin, Dobrin, uh, General William Hall and ambassador David Popper, and the salt man uh, Boris Klossen, and the NSC pal Helmut Sonnenfeld, and ambassador Leonard Unger. These are just a few KGB men that Kissinger promoted and appointed and elevated. But there's a lot more about Kissinger's career that goes beyond being concerning. For example, he had a very close relationship with Mikhail Gorbachev, who was one-time dictator of the Soviet Union, uh, and Yevgeniev uh, Primakov, who is Moscow's long-time KGB master of East Middle East terrorism, and the PLO chief Yasser Arafat was also a friend. In the case of Yasser Arafat, Kissinger intervened to cover up the fact that the PLO chief had ordered and planned the 1973 Black September terrorist attack on Khartoum in Sudan and had personally ordered the torture and execution of U.S. Ambassador Cleo Newell and U.S. Charged Affairs George Moore and the Belgian diplomat uh, Guy Id. So he covered for crimes by Yasser Arafat's PLO. Uh, he elevated people who were known KGB agents to highly responsible positions, and a top Soviet defector, a general, no less, uh, who has a sterling track record of uh, proven accuracy, uh, identified Kissinger as a Soviet agent who had been a Soviet agent since 1945. So far from celebrating Henry Kissinger's 100th anniversary, people worldwide should feel obligated to demand an official investigation into his misdeeds and his decades of treacherous aid to the enemies of freedom. And Henry Kissinger's track record of treachery should just remind us of why we've got the mess we've got in the world today. He's the one who ensured the technolo technology transfer that enabled Red China to enter the 20th century and be an advanced uh, threat with nuclear weapons and even um, intercontinental ballistic missiles guidance systems, all provided through Kissinger's friends, including the Clintons and Obama's administrations, but the deep state, a lot of which was appointed and placed in there by Henry Kissinger's unique position, uh, has led to the fact that now the CIA is involved in the swamp to such an extent that they weaponized against opponents of the globalists. And that is a lot that explains what's behind the present witch hunt against uh, President Donald Trump. So, Back to you, Andrew. Thank you, Peter. Yes, I've got um, a few bits um, that 
you mentioned certain names and they all link with Kissinger. There's four references I could see to Kissinger in my Synagogue of Satan book. The updated, expanded, uncensored version anyway. What I'm always reminded of with Kissinger is that when the Rothschild family tried to set up the Congress of Vienna in 1815, which was their first plan for world government, which was really centering around Europe at that point, uh, this was effectively torpedoed by the current Russian Tsar at the time. And as a result of this, Nathan Mayer Rothschild swore vengeance, either he or his descendants would get revenge on the Tsar or his descendants. And of course, we know that that happened uh, just over 100 years later in 1917, because Jacob Schiff is an actual member of the Rothschild family, and he was the person that uh, bankrolled Lenin and the whole communist movement over there. So communism is something that comes out of this Rothschild group without a shadow of a doubt. And the reason I mention that is what Henry Kissinger did his doctoral dissertation on was the Congress of Vienna, Peter. And that's something that uh, always comes to my mind. Intriguing. Yeah, a couple of other things here. Um, We'll go through them one at a time because um, I'd like your comments 1973, October the 10th, this is when uh, Vice President Spiro Agnew resigned and he was accused of bribery in the media and that was supposed to be why he resigned. But have a listen to uh, some um, segments of this speech that he gave before he resigned. The people who own and manage National Impact Media are Jewish and with other influential Jews helped create a disastrous US Mideast policy. All you have to do is check the real policymakers and owners and you will find a much higher concentration of Jewish people than you're going to find in the population. By national impact media, I'm referring to the major newswire services, pollsters, Time and Newsweek magazines, the New York Times, Washington Post and the International Herald Tribune. For example, CBS is Mr. William Paley's Jewish Mr. Julian Goodman, who runs NBC, and there's a Leonard Goldenson at ABC. Mrs. Catherine Graham owns the Washington Post, and Mr. Salzberg of the New York Times. They are all Jews. You go down the line in that fashion, not just with ownership, but go down the managing posts and the discretionary posts. And you'll find that through their aggressiveness and their inventiveness, they now dominate the news media. Not only in the media, but in academic communities, the financial communities, in the foundations, in all sorts of highly visible and influential services that involve the public, they now have a tremendous voice. Our policy in the Middle East, in my judgment, is disastrous, because it's not even-handed. I see no reason why nearly half the foreign aid this nation has to give goes to Israel, except for the influence of this Zionist lobby. I think the power of the news media is in the hands of a few people. It's not subject to the control of the voters. It's subject only to the whim of the board of directors. And it was the media, of course, that accused him of bribery. And this speech is from 1970, well, before 1973, before October the 10th anyway. So we're looking at 50 years ago, this information was out there. Peter, your comments. Yes, well, I must say, with my personal friendship with Ian Smith, it was interesting that even a man as intelligent and as principled as Ian Smith was so taken in by Henry Kissinger, he said, even in his book, and he said to me personally, Henry Kissinger was so sympathetic, he was on our side, uh, he cared deeply about us, he was anti-communist, he somehow, Kissinger convinced, he was such an effective liar that he even convinced Ian Smith that he was genuine and that um, Kissinger's word was to be trusted and the guarantees being given. And uh, it's it's absolutely treacherous. This this man really is a synagogue of Satan example and uh, how he hates God's people. And yet he could do it so effectively by lying. So Kissinger was able to win over people to trust him who he planned to stab in the back. And it's obvious he did stab in the back um, everyone from the Champs Varon through to um, uh, Ian Smith of Rhodesia, but he mentioned it in such a way that his victims believed in his good intentions and trusted him. 
And apparently his wife was part of this too, because uh, she was part of the graciousness that uh, someone won them over. So somehow or another, uh, his wife was part of the, the team of deception and uh, absolutely uh, wicked influence. Basically, the impression I, I find out there is that the communists have not advanced by military victory. They've advanced by treachery and by their fifth column behind the scenes. And it seems that these these secret communists on the uh, on the Allied side have done a very key job in making it possible for communists to win, because it's not it's not the General Zhukovs and so on on the Soviet side that won the victories. It's the treacherous Westerners like the Henry Kissingers who were working on counterintelligence on the Allied side who helped make these things possible. Because they don't win in battle; they win at the negotiation table. They win through treachery. And uh, it's by infiltrating. And I think it also makes sense that when you understand the Sabbatean movement, uh, salvation by sin and redemption through deception, uh, that uh, what they're doing is they infiltrate and they deceive and they manage to uh, subvert from within. And that's their, their treachery. It's not that they've got stronger armies or better strategies or anything like that. It's that they are able to deceive. And I think that also makes sense with Mossad's whole slogan of warfare by deception. And Kissinger is certainly somebody who did a lot of deception. He was an absolute past master at deception. The way how he managed to, con even after all the evidence was out there, and I was pointing it out to Ian Smith, Ian Smith still said, having met him, looked into his eyes, he said, he was on our side. He's anti-communist. He wanted what was best for us. He, he was sincere. And uh, his wife helped him in that uh, deception. So, You've got to watch out for these people. You know, the Bible says that faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. And the Kissinger, you can think the the kisses of a Kissinger are deceitful indeed. Yes, that's a very uh, interesting anecdote because I know how well you knew Ian uh, Smith and uh, it's so important uh, when you we can have first-hand information like that, Peter. And it just goes to show that Ian Smith was an honest... When you're an honest person, it's easy to get taken in by people who deceive, as you said the Bible does say. Um, that's why I've, I've always that, that's said... My main, that's my main criticism of Ian Smith, much as I'm 100% on his side. He was such an honourable man, he could not imagine deceit on the level of a Kissinger. Kissinger yeah. somehow was able to convince him of his absolute sincerity... That's just how deceitful Kissinger was. Yes, well, I think that what they've done, um, they really would like to have a regime, a brutal communist regime like uh, they had in Soviet Russia and we see China and what have you. But in all, they are going to have that in the West, I have no doubt. But in order to get there, they had to pretend to be somehow you know, benevolent towards people. Uh, to sort of get their confidence. They had to soften people up. They had to actually let people in the uh, 60s and into the 70s and what have you, you know, situations where people could, you know, live fairly affluently on very um, middle-ranging jobs, i.e. the term the middle class comes <laughs> from. Well, the middle class in the uh, 60s and 70s, they, you know, generally one person was working in the family. They had a reasonable home they had a car on the driveway probably one for the wife as well all these sorts of things on just the one salary that doesn't happen anymore um but they had to do all that to invest in the long-term plan which is what i think we're seeing now in the west which is getting more and more totalitarian by the minute because that was how they were going to get the power now that they've got the power they're not frightened to wield it but um a couple more bits here this is from 1974 um, two, two, well, we'll go one at a time again. A New York periodical publishes an article claiming that the Rockefeller family are manipulating the Federal Reserve for the purpose of selling off Fort Knox gold at bargain basement prices to anonymous European speculators. Three days after the publication of this story, its anonymous source, long-time secretary to Nelson Rockefeller, Louis, Louise Auchincloss Boyer mysteriously falls to her death from the window of her 10-storey apartment block in New York. Were you aware of that, Peter? No, I was not. No, that's interesting. Mm. So, uh, And, of course, that would have been around the time that, uh, 74, that he would have been 
vice president. So, uh, and then the next thing that I've got for you, this kind of goes in with the show image we've got for you today, folks. On December the 10th of 1974, the United States National Security Council under Henry Kissinger completes a classified 200-page study entitled National Security Study Memorandum 200, Implications of Worldwide Population Growth for U.S. Security and Overseas Interests, also known by the acronym NSSM 200. That's NSSM 200. The study falsely claims that population growth in the so-called lesser developed countries is a grave threat to U.S. national security and outlines a covert plan to reduce population growth in those countries through birth control, war and famine. Of course, most of these countries would be in Africa. Peter, what are your thoughts on that? Yes, well, they certainly don't. You just think it's betrayal of Rhodesia, which was a food exporting country. There was never starvation in Rhodesia, even during times of drought, and that the agriculture was so advanced. So by having the 5,000 white-owned farms in Rhodesia uh, invaded and nationalized uh, in the so-called farm invasions or um, agricultural reform, if you want to use the communist word, um, which led to mass starvation, not only were the Zimbabweans then starving, but uh, and half of their population fled the country, but they weren't exporting food to the countries that they used to feed. So that helped create more um, starvation. The so-called expropriation of farms without compensation in South Africa campaign, which other globalists are following right now, are also leading to more starvation. And World Economic Forum people like um, Justin Trudeau and uh, Mark Rutter in the Netherlands campaign against farmers is also leading to potential famine in the future. So you can see a lot of what he's done by betraying countries that used to feed themselves, uh, they are leading to more and more position where there's very few countries in the world that actually export food. Netherlands, by the way, is the second largest exporter of agricultural products in the world. And there they've got a World Economic Forum Prime Minister in Mark Rutter, who's about to get ousted because of the farmers' revolts against this WF insanity. Uh, but um, uh, imagine closing down more than half the farms in the country, which is their plan for the Netherlands, in the name of climate change and to protect uh, the environment. So... Insanity, why would you keep attacking countries like Rhodesia, South Africa, or in the case of Netherlands, countries that export food, that not only feed their own people, but feed others all over the world? Why would you want to close down some of the most effective agricultural countries in the world? Well, if your goal is mass starvation, depopulation, and uh, bring the world's population to under 500 million, then it suddenly makes sense. In fact, until you understand the Sabbatean mindset, salvation through sin and redemption through deception, you don't really understand why politicians like Biden or Justin Trudeau do what they do. But it makes absolute sense when you understand the Illuminati, Sabbatean, Antichrist agenda of these evil people who really are a synagogue of Satan, as Jesus said. So the hatred for God and for God's people and for those made in the image of God obviously guides it. By the way, just another interesting little anecdote here. Uh, Henry Kissinger, who was born Heinz Alfred Kissinger, on the 27th of May, 1923, in Firth, F-U-R-T-H, Firth, Bavaria. Firth is where they just had the first AI um, sermon presented by an avatar. Uh, so the first um, bot-created, computer-generated sermon in a church was uh, done in Firth, and I wonder if that's significant as well. They had a Kirschentag there in the birthplace of Henry Kissinger. The, the birth of a new religion, which is AI or artificial intelligence run religion, where even sermons and churches are given by an avatar and fictional creature generated by a computer with a sermon created by the artificial intelligence of a computer. If the birth of a new world religion in Firth is significant because uh, that was Kissinger's birthplace. Uh, of course, he was born in the Weimar Republic uh, when Germany was going through the worst inflation as a result of the Versailles Treaty, which, of course, he was a major student on the Versailles Treaty, as he was also on the um, Vienna Congress. So intriguing. This, this, uh, In fact, I've got his book on the Versailles Treaty. Kissinger was a real student of, of these um, 
ways of trying to rebuild the world and build a new world order through international congresses such as Vienna and, and Versailles. So how about that? One world government, one world economic system and a one world religion. And the one world religion is getting a major push from the very town where uh, Kissinger was born, Firth. I wonder if that's accidental or if that's deliberate. That's very interesting. Yeah, I was unaware of that. And um, one last thing I've got here. This is very brief, but uh, uh, it's it's quite interesting, really. Um, I'd I'd forgotten about this, so I looked it up in the book. Um, In June of 2003, President George George W. Bush put Paul Bremer in control of Iraq when he named him the United States Administrator of Iraq. Now, Paul Bremer had been, from 1989, the Managing Director at Kissinger & Associates, the worldwide consulting firm founded by Henry Kissinger. How about that, Peter? Well, what an amazing coincidence. Uh, Because Kissinger does have business dealings in investments in so many of the countries that America invaded and took over and um, helped in the so-called rebuilding, or should we say exploitation of these countries and the contracts that the American government would give. So he enriched himself with a lot of conflicts of interest in areas that he was involved in helping to betray. So his globalist agenda has also um, served his own financial interest. And to think that somebody who was running as Kissinger and Associates got the plum job of effectively governing, administrating Iraq, where so many American contracts and how many billions of dollars got uh, poured into those different contracts there in Iraq. Highly suspicious. This, this is how the globalists operate. Business, big business and big government seem to work together. They embed with one another, along with big pharma. And now we know big tech and uh, big media as well. Yes, we do. It's uh, it's amazing uh, what the world's deteriorated into. It really is shocking, and it's a great shame that uh, you know the opportunities that were afforded to people, people didn't grasp them when they had some level of resistance uh, that they could have used. Uh, going back ten, twenty years, what have you, when I was getting into this message and finding out what was really going on behind the scenes. Unfortunately, too many people were soaking up the mainstream media and uh, that was just essentially drugging them away from knowing what the truth really was. Because if people knew back then, these people wouldn't be getting away with what they're getting away with now. And I wouldn't be saying that I see the only solution um, now as to be divine intervention because back then the purpose of, you know, I, I really thought I'd put my book out, The Synagogue of Satan, in 2006, and people would wake up, they'd read it. I thought governments would look at it and say, you know, we've got to investigate these people. This is, But now, instead of that, they close me down, you know, uh, and your own government sits back and does it and, and because they're controlled by the same people I exposed, you know, going back uh, 17 years. And it's a great shame, but we are where we are. Um, I was hoping that we I didn't have the faith I have now then, and I really thought that a secular solution could be reached. But now I see the only solution is divine intervention. And the problem with that is the suffering is only going to get greater and greater before that comes. So, Peter, your final thoughts and then we'll go. Yes, well, our Lord Jesus warned us not to be deceived. And there's warnings that even the very elect could be deceived. So it's obviously a problem. There's so many warnings in the Bible against deception and being deceived. And the whole world lies in the grip of the evil one, and now Satan is deceiving the nations. And Revelation, on a number of occasions, mentions Satan deceiving the nations, and that the day will come when God will send an angel to bind Satan, that he might deceive the nations no more. So obviously we're living in a time of deception. And if we find ourselves thinking like the world, meaning in agreement with the United Nations, the World Council of Churches, and the mainstream media, then we must know we've been deceived. And Jesus said, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. It's so important for us to know the truth. And that's most important when it comes to history. If we don't understand our past uh, and if we don't understand what is being, what is going on, understand the times, we can easily be deceived. And we don't want to be servants of Satan or be in any way uh, cooperating with the plans of, of the enemies of God. So it's vital for us to expose evil and uh, falsehood. 
And somebody like Henry Kissinger, who, interestingly enough, in the Second World War, he was in counterintelligence. Now, counterintelligence uh, is involved in all sorts of things like deception operations and so on, too. And it's during his time in counterintelligence that he got recruited by the KGB. So you wonder how many others in our world and in key places now, whether you're talking about in the media or in government, in key positions, um, have been recruited by the other side, either ideologically or uh, actually practically, as in the case of a, a group like the KGB. And the globalists, of course, have been recruiting and training actual heads of states like Mark Rutter for Netherlands and Justin Trudeau, uh, Zelensky, uh, even Sil Rampose, who's president of South Africa at the moment, to Justin uh, uh, Jacinda Ardent in New Zealand. These are all Klaus Schwab protégés that have been recruited and being trained specifically for the purpose of running countries. So the situation is pretty serious. We've got people who've been groomed to run countries, companies, and to be editors and producers of radio, TV, and other media. Uh, all of that should be very concerning. And then you think of the CIA under Kissinger's influence produced this Operation Mockingbird, uh, where they would actually take over the nation's media to reinforce the foreign policy goals and even domestic goals of the um, administration of the country and basically deep states the whole media that the media would be reinforcing what the government wants, which you can see is happening right now in Hollywood, in entertainment and in the so-called news media where there's a lot of deception going on and you can see transparently there is a link with intelligence agencies and Kissinger is one of those links between business, politics, um, foreign communist governments and um, running Western countries, including alliances like NATO, all being streamlined on a globalist front. And it should be very disturbing that countries can be betrayed, allies can be betrayed like Rhodesia, uh, nationalist China, and you can see uh, communist agendas advanced through traitors. Now, we may not want to believe that people are traitors, but there's enough examples such as with Harold Wilson in Britain and uh, um, Henry Kissinger in America, who actually were agents of the KGB, of the Soviets' uh, secret police during the key time of the Cold War. When you understand how much of world history has been written by these traitors, it makes you wonder just how much more um, our history has been changed by these treacherous people. And so the least we can do is not praise them and lift them up as some kind of heroes. But even better if we can just understand what our enemies are doing and why. Because God has given us a position in this world to disciple the nations and to um, improve the earth. And then you've got Satan's people coming to kill, to steal and to destroy. And plainly we're involved in a colossal clash of civilizations, a world war of worldviews, we're involved in a, a spiritual world war between the force of darkness and the forces of light. And we've all got a key part to play. So we've got to think spiritual warfare, put on the full armor of God, helmet of salvation, shield of faith, breastplate of righteousness, belt of truth. These are all vital parts in handling the uh, spiritual warfare we're facing today. Thank you so much for dedicating this program to truth and understanding the times. I think this is an absolute vital way we've got to share with our friends and family to be more skeptical of what the world's celebrating and, and telling us to do. Because when you realize that somebody as influential as Henry Kissinger actually is working for the enemy, uh, then uh, and that the evidence is overwhelming, then it should mean that anyone who thinks that the government's the hope and, uh, you know, trust in the government, the government will save us and they've got our best interests at heart, you know, that is real delusion. So it's so important. Know the truth um, or we will be deceived. Thank you, Peter. And before we go, can you please let the audience know uh, where they can find your work and how they can contact you? Yes, my personal email is peter, P-E-T-E-R, at frontline, F-R-O-N-T-L-I-N-E, dot R-O-G dot Z-A. So peter at frontline dot org dot Z-A, or Z-A, is uh, my personal email our mission website, you can find www.frontlinemissionsa.org, SA short for South Africa. We've got a Frontline North America website too, where we've got many of our books for sale. Frontlinemissionna.org is also, uh, and .net is also for uh, contact in America. Uh, so um, 
contact us. You can email mission at frontline.org.za or myself, Pete, at frontline.org.za. You can find us on fa- Facebook as well, heavily involved in social media. And uh, we've got websites, documenting links, audio visuals, um, uh, all kinds of uh, information to document the treachery of the Marxists, what they're doing, and the resistance throughout Africa in particular. Thank you so much and God bless. Thank you, Peter, and God bless you. Okay, folks, you have been listening to a show entitled The Real Story of Henry Kissinger's Trail of Treachery. I want to thank all of you for listening. Peter and I will be back with you again next Friday. I will, of course, be back with you all tomorrow. And until then, folks, have a wonderful day and bye for now.